I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 65, in which we review books. And I am recording this on Sunday, October 30th, 2011. Um, This is actually my second or third shot at this episode. I think I've recorded it a couple of other times and just was never entirely happy. So I'm taking a slightly different approach this time. I have a boatload of books to review, but what I'm going to do is record each review separately. And then depending on how long things get, I'll either put them all in this one episode or I'll plunk some down in later episodes as well to spread it out. I found the first couple times when I was just trying to do straight up reviews all the way through, I felt rushed. I felt like I wasn't um, necessarily doing each one justice because I was trying to squeeze them all into one episode. So here we go. Here's hoping it goes a little bit better this time. I do want to start out by giving a quick Sandy update. Um, I'm actually not going to say a whole lot of update stuff because I've got a couple of other episodes kind of in the works. Um, I have been on my quilt retreat, as you may or may not remember. I believe I talked about that in the last episode. And I've got a report on my retreat. I've got a retreat update. But actually, that's going to make an, an episode in and of itself because I took a fantastic class during that retreat. So I want to kind of give that one justice as well and give it its own episode. Um, And maybe in that same episode, maybe a separate one, I haven't decided yet, I'll be updating you on the progress of my quilt design study group. Uh, We've now had two meetings, and um, we're kind of getting into the swing of things. We had a really fun session together this last time, and I'm really looking forward to future sessions, so I want to talk a little bit more about that. But again, I think I either want to give that its own episode, or I'll put it in with the quilt retreat. Kind of depends on timing on both of those. Um, In terms of other things, I do have a little bit of progress on other quilty projects. I actually have started a few more, (laughs) and uh, unfortunately that means I am just creating for myself more UFOs, but fortunately they're pretty small projects. Um, I have mostly been spending my time, other than when I was at the quilt retreat, on making yo-yos. And I've been using, that's the fabric kind, folks, I've been using the uh, yo-yo maker tool that you can use. And it really does make it very simple process. I've really enjoyed doing that. It's been a nice project to kind of work on, you know, while I'm watching TV at night. Now, I only had to make uh, 16 yo-yos altogether. And that took me I would say each yo-yo maybe took me 10 or 15 minutes, maybe. Um, But that's because, you know, I wasn't really rushing myself. And I did have to redo one when I snipped the wrong dang thread. (laughs) The whole thing unraveled on me. But other than that, um, it's really a a fairly simple thing to do, especially with that yo-yo maker tool. I've never made a yo-yo without the tool, so I can't compare. Um, I'm not a big person on, you know, the yo-yo quilts and everything. I enjoy looking at what other people have done. That's just not something I've wanted to do. These yo-yos themselves are for an embellishment on another project. Um, However, I have seen some kind of cute holiday table toppers and such that are made using yo-yos. So now that I've got the tools and I did, I went ahead, I, I don't know that I've got all the sizes. I've only got the round ones. They come in a variety of shapes and I'm really curious as to how it works to do one of those other shapes, um, 
So if any of you have used the other shapes that are available in the Yo-Yo Maker tools and want to report in, please do leave a comment on the episode because I'd be curious about that and so might some of the rest of our listeners. I've only ever used the round ones and, um, you know, now that I've got them, I may well use them for other things. And uh, they are, like I said, they're kind of fun to to do and they're a great way to use up some scraps. So who knows, maybe I'll just make some yo-yos and then toss them in our Guild Silent auction or something just to get rid of some more scraps. Um, other than that, uh, this weekend I'm recording Sunday afternoon and mostly what I've gotten done from a fabric-y perspective this weekend is cleaning and reorganizing between all of my travels and then my quilt retreat. Although I got stuff unpacked as soon as I got home from my retreat, there was just kind of stacks of fabric and projects and stuff all over my cutting table. So this morning I really spent time kind of cleaning everything up, sorting it out, labeling what needed to be labeled, putting away what needed to be put away fabric-wise. Uh, took some photos, posted some photos on my blog finally of, uh, I know I've been ignoring the blog a lot lately too, but um, that is going to be updated this week several times. I've got a few things I'm reporting in on this week, so keep an eye on the blog too. Uh, I've got a picture of this. Today's entry was about my uh, project finish. I do have a finish to report, and so there's photos of that, and then through the week I'll be posting photos of some other stuff I've got going on. Um, I haven't decided. I've got the rest of the afternoon free, too, other than making dinner. I'm trying a new recipe for dinner, so that's going to take me a little while longer than usual dinner prep does. Uh, Other than that, I haven't really decided what I'm going to spend the rest of my afternoon doing. Am I going to try to complete a project or am I going to try to make more more progress in cutting hexes? Because I've kind of let that go by the wayside the last several oh months <laughs> i guess everybody else i know jay and uh pam both have made huge headway in their hexy projects and i've done squat so maybe i'll just spend some time this afternoon cutting some hexies uh, partly because that would get another stack of fabric off of the side of my cutting table which would be nice anyway i've got a lot of things i could choose from and i can't decide what really is kind of flipping my switch at the moment so i will be making a little more progress this afternoon but I don't know in what or how much. So that's pretty much my Sandy update. I haven't gotten a lot of comments lately to do listener comments too, and that's because, you know, frankly, I've not been talking to you, so why would you talk back? (laughs) I do want to say a quick thank you, though, to Maureen and Suzanne, both of whom left comments on the last episode, and particularly a shout-out to Suzanne, who is a new new listener. Yay, we love new listeners. Everybody say, one, two, three, woohoo, new listeners. Uh, Suzanne, thank you for joining us. Glad you're on board, and, you know, if you keep listening after listening to my last episode, which was rather disjointed and disorganized, then more power to you. Um, And Suzanne did ask about the fabric folding technique. I had mentioned squaring up fabric, and I will try to explain it as best I can. I am sure, I am positive there must be uh, videos on YouTube about this. I haven't looked, but all you do is you fold the fabric salvage to salvage, you hold it up um, in front of you, you know, kind of eye level, And then you squidge your fingers around a little bit to to move the two edges of the fabric until that fold at the bottom hangs absolutely straight. And if you don't know what I mean, just try it. Pick up a piece of fabric, fold it in half, salvage to salvage, hold it up in front of you, and then scooch it around. And you will see where the fold will look like it's kind of skewed at an angle or, you know, skewed the other way or then straight. And a lot of times, if I think I've got it straight, I'll skew it out of whack again just to make sure I've really got it, you know, I'll put it back in to to, um, tune again. Sort of like tuning a guitar. 
maybe if you're not a guitar player, you don't know this, but sometimes the easiest way to tune a guitar is to knock it way out of tune and then slowly bring it back <laughs> into tune. Um, because sometimes when something gets really close, your ears it just can't quite catch it and you have to start over again. That's kind of the same thing with folding fabric, that when you have that fold straight and you can't entirely tell if it's straight, just knock it out of whack again and then fold it back straight. So once that fold hangs straight, then you carefully lay it down on your cutting table with the fold and towards you, at least that's where I put it, and kind of smooth it out to make sure. Be careful when you're smoothing it out. Make sure you're not knacking, knocking it out of square again. That's, to the best of my knowledge, that's how I was taught to square up fabric before you start cutting. That's how everybody I know squares up fabric before you're cutting. There may be other methods. I don't really know. Um, some folks cut the salvage off before they start cutting. I don't, actually. Um, I tend to just leave it alone and then trim it off at the end. It kind of depends on your approach. You know, it kind of also just depends on what you get used to doing. So that's how you square up fabric using the folding method. Hopefully I've explained that well. Uh, and again, if anybody has alternate methods for squaring up fabric and want to try to explain them in a comment, please feel free to do that. Or if you've got links on YouTube to squaring up fabric or anything else that you think might be helpful, lay them on us. That's always good to share the wealth, share the knowledge with others. So thank you to Maureen and Suzanne for your comments. Um, and Noni had also asked a, com asked a question about what equipment I was using to do my podcast on the road. I will leave that response in the Big Tent uh, Quiltcast super group, the subgroup for how to produce a podcast or whatever that one's called. I'll give that information there. There's actually a variety of methods you can use for recording podcasts on the road. Um, I'll share with you what I use, and I'm sure others will share with what they use as well. Actually, I just found another couple of comments when I opened up my email um, this just now to share with you. I want to say thank you to Jenna, who left a couple of comments. And in fact, Jenna is reminding me that I haven't mentioned in a long time a couple of the other pages on uh, the show notes for this episode. If you go to quiltingfortherestofus.com, you will find the, the homepage there is the basic show notes for the episode. But then you'll see some other tabs across the top. And one of them is on shops, on quilt shops, um, some that I've visited, and then in the comments section. You can leave your comments about your own favorite quilt shops so that if others are traveling to your area, they might be able to check them out. And I do a lot of traveling, so I often will check that page as well to see what else I might be able to visit. Jenna left a comment about Connecting Threads is a great online quilting shop, and I do do a lot of my online shopping there. So do make sure you check out Connecting Threads, and that website is just www.connectingthreads.com. So thank you, Jenna, for reminding us of that. And Jenna also said uh, one of the other pages on the site is you know you're a quilter when, and um, I haven't mentioned that one in a long time. So let's get that one going again. You, all you have to do is fill in the blank. You know you're a quilter when, and if you um, want, if it's a great page to go visit, a lot of people have left some very, very funny comments there. Uh, and I believe the tab is just you're a quilter because I couldn't fit the whole thing in <laughs> the tab title. But anyway, Jenna says, you know you're a quilter when, you choose to drive across the country instead of fly just so you can stop at quilt shops in every state you pass. And that is definitely true, Jenna. Been there, done that. So thank you so much, Jenna, for your comments. I appreciate them. And also, Jay did comment on the blog post that I just posted today, the um, in which I posted the UFO finish, the cautionary tail quilt. She said the colors and fabrics are beautiful. Thank you, Jay, so much. And in fact, I'm hoping that the colors and fabrics will distract you from the fact that it's not square. Uh, anyway, more about that on the blog. 
thank you so much for everybody's comments. I do really appreciate them. And now we're going to get into the meat of this episode, and maybe that'll generate some more conversation. So here we go on some book reviews. Okay, the first book that I'm reviewing, actually, I shouldn't number these, because like I said, I'm not positive I'll use them all in the same episode. Uh, the book I'm about to review is Stitchopedia, The Only Embroidery Reference You'll Ever Need. That's the full title, by Helen Winthrop Kendrick. And fair warning, you will hear me flipping pages throughout these book reviews because um, although I've taken pretty thorough notes on what I wanted to talk about in each one, it really helps me to actually flip open the pages and look at what I'm talking about. So pardon the distraction of the side noise. Anyway, um, I was sent this book because I've mentioned that I'm interested in in learning embroidery at some point and have some plans to do that uh, in early 2012. And um, that'll be probably another podcast episode, (laughs) is that whole plan. But anyway, um, this embroidery, without me knowing anything about embroidery, so it's hard for me to fully judge, but this book itself really does look like it's probably the only embroidery reference I would ever need. Uh, So I will buy that um, from their title. But it really, it kind of, it starts from ground zero, and then it just has a vast a vast uh, number of types of stitches, particularly what I really enjoyed about it is it does go through a variety of styles. So um, it starts out with kind of some standard introduction material, and then it talks about fabrics and about threads and needles and hoops and that kind of thing, all the materials and equipment you would need. In a techniques section, it talks about preparing the fabric and binding the fabric, how to find the center of the fabric, and then it goes into a section on mounting and framing, what to do with, you know, kind of how to deal with your embroidery once you're done with it. Um, And then it does talk also about making pillow covers and all sorts of different options you have for using your embroidery once you're done with it, which I really enjoyed. Uh, Then it does have a section on design. It talks about using purchase designs and creating your own designs and then designing from photographs and sketches, which I also really enjoyed because, you know, for me, it's it would be a lot of fun to do something kind of freehand and, and original based on whatever project I'm working on. So I really enjoyed um, looking through those sections. I didn't read them thoroughly because it's not currently totally appropriate, but I really did appreciate that that was all included. And it it goes from pretty basic stuff to fairly complex stuff. So I really think that would be a very useful section, even for folks who have been doing embroidery for a while. You could easily get new ideas there, I would think. Anyway, um, then it goes through types of embroidery. And this was the part that, as a complete embroidery newbie, I really appreciated because I didn't even know... It wasn't so much that I didn't know this stuff existed, because every picture I saw, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that. I just didn't know what it was called, and I wouldn't have even necessarily categorized it all as embroidery somehow. You know, it's like you've got to look at those component parts, and I'd never done that before. So it talks about stump work, which was completely unfamiliar to me, although again, once I saw the pictures of it, I'm like, oh, so that's what that's called. It's basically, stump work is a padded applique, um, that's kind of raised embroidery so it looks like you do some really heavily embroidered pieces and then you detach it and you then applique that on something else that's sort of what stump work is i think it's more complex than that um but that's kind of what i gathered from this particular description it also talks about black work which you know my first thought was oh well that's just like red work that a lot of us are familiar with but it's not actually it's a little bit different it is black thread on a light colored or white background but rather than in red work which are almost all pictorial 
The black work is actually very geometric designs from what I can tell, at least in this book. Let me flip to the page. I guess they do have some um, black work can be pictorial, but what it seemed to be more was you use the, and again, if somebody who's done all of this is really going to have to speak to this because this is, I, I'm just learning this. So if you've done black work and can explain it better than I am, <laughs> that would be great. But it looks to me like maybe um, geometric designs, stitches are used to create the pictorial picture. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it's just the designs themselves. I'm not positive, but I did love the geometric design nature of the stitches. I thought that was fun um, and would certainly be something I will play with. Uh, then it talks about canvas work and cruel and hardinger, hardinger, I don't know how to pronounce that, and pulled work. Um, and it has a section on freestyle embroidery, which I had to kind of chuckle because I guess freestyle is what I've always associated kind of as embroidery. That's just sort of the des the floral designs and everything that you kind of create your own design as you go. Um, again, not being an embroiderer and having just come at this new, I'm probably not explaining these well, but I really appreciated that section where it went through each of the types of embroidery and it kind of explains it a little bit. Um, it does start out with just titch of history on that style or that type of embroidery. It'll maybe a paragraph or so and kind of talks about where it came from or, or what kinds of examples you might have seen of it. Um, I do wish, and I'll talk about this more when I get to my ratings on the book, I wish there'd been a little more of that. I also wish, as you can tell from my difficulty in explaining exactly what something is, I kind of wish that each, um, each section had really started with just a couple of sentences of description of what that style is. Some of them did, uh, but not all of them. And so for some of them, you know, I had to kind of figure out what it was as I was reading the, the chapter itself or the section itself. So I kind of wish there had been a little more on that, but I will say just as a first taste of stuff, this was really cool because I hadn't heard of some of these before and it definitely does intrigue me and I'd like to, to study a little bit more and maybe try my hand at some of them. Uh, it then has, after it goes through all the different types of embroidery, it then has a listing of stitches where it kind of takes all of the stitches. So each section, like in the black work section, it gives a little bit of a history. It gives some pictures of what black work looks like. It talks a little bit about the designs and then it goes through the stitches and it has a whole um, thing about the different stitches that go into that type of design with um, not just examples, but directions how to do it. Then when all of the types are done, then it puts all of those stitches in one place. So you've got kind of almost an index, all in, you know, quick, easy re reference in that respect. Um, and then the book does have a bunch of projects in it. I Offhand, I did not write down how many projects are in there, but there were a fair number. Um, but I would say better than half of the book is just descriptions of the different kinds of embroidery with the stitches. So it's not heavily weighted towards projects. It is more heavily weighted towards teaching you what the embroidery is, which I really appreciate because, you know, I don't want to do necessarily somebody else's project, particularly when it comes to embroidery. I really want to learn how to do embroidery for the projects I'm already doing. So I appreciated that it didn't spend a ton of time on individual projects. Um, it does have a gallery, which is very nice to look at. We always like galleries and uh, it has a glossary in the back. So Again, I found this as a complete embroidery newbie. I found this as something that I will definitely be working my way through, um, spending some time monkeying around with the different types and styles of embroidery to get a feel for them. Pardon me if you're hearing a growling in the background. That's my nephew's 
car. Um, he just came by. He had done laundry yesterday, but he had left it here um, and just stopped by today to pick it up. So that's the car you're hearing in the background. Um, anyway, this book, Stitchopedia, I would give, I decided to use a five-star rating scale, and I would give this one four stars out of five. And again, only because I would have liked more. I guess it's a good thing for a book to leave you wanting more. <laughs> I guess, as they say, you never want to get tired of something, but I would have liked just a little bit more um, in each section to have just a little bit more of a description of what that style was, maybe a little more history of it, maybe a couple of more pictures of examples of it. Um, and like I said, maybe just that very short statement at the very beginning, this is exactly what this style is. Um, I would have just liked a little bit more of that, but in and of itself, I mean, even four stars out of five, I would highly recommend this book if you think you're going to be doing embroidery. Again, this is not machine embroidery. This is hand embroidery. Um, if you have a machine, an embroidery machine that you can program things into, I would think, you know, this would be pretty applicable. I don't know enough about machine embroidery to know that. Uh, but when you look at it from a hand embroidery perspective, this is an extremely good reference. And I'm really looking forward to sinking my teeth into it. So that's, again, Stitchopedia, the only embroidery reference you'll ever need by Helen Winthorpe Kendrick. And I will obviously be, as always, posting links to all of these books on my on the show notes to this episode or whatever episode they show up in. Okay, the next book we're reviewing is More Layer Cake, Jelly Roll, and Charm Quilts by Pam and Nikki Lintot. Uh, I've mentioned this book before because, again, it was sent to me by a listener. Thank you so much. This was my signed edition. Uh, as with the other Lintot Girl books that I own, I love their designs. They, they do a really nice mix of traditional with modern, uh, both designs and fabrics. They also have... Most of the patterns in here, if not all, I'm flipping through it quickly. Um, they are mostly quilts and wall hangings. There is one pillow in there. I don't see any tote bags or anything. So they're primarily quilts and wall hangings. Um, I guess that makes sense since the word quilts is actually in the title. <laughs> so it's not projects. This says that the book cover itself says 14 brand new quilt patterns. As always, they do have lovely designs. They just have a nice way, um, much like I like Carrie Nelson of Schnibbles fame and Melissa Ray Hawley. I kind of like the same thing about all of them. They take fairly basic, straightforward designs and make them look more complex than they really are through their use of fabric and their um, settings and so forth. Um, Back to this book specifically, More Layer Cake, Jelly Roll, and Charm Quilts. Uh, they do occasionally throw in the Fat Eighth. Now, I will point out several of the Charm Quilt patterns require four identical Charm Quilts, and you've, I'm sorry, Charm Packs, and you've heard me talk about that before, um, where my frustration is at times that, you know, you tend to buy Charm Packs individually. You don't tend to buy four or five at a time. And then yet you get to these patterns and they often require two, three or four charm packs. And I find that a little frustrating. But I will say in this particular book, in this case, any of the patterns that they do, you could just do scraps. You could combine charm packs easily enough. Um, I don't remember seeing very many that you would really lose the design if you had to do that. Uh, there might have been one in there, but I remember thinking at the time, okay, well, I don't have four identical charm packs, but I could see myself using these two charm packs I have that I know go well together and then maybe a bunch of scraps as well or just straight up scrappy. So there, there's a lot of versatility in the book in that respect. 
Um, you could also just make some of them smaller. Obviously, the the size, the charm pack itself doesn't a size it doesn't change the size of the block. It changes the number of blocks you can put together, um, if that made sense. But anyway, you could do smaller quilts instead of you know if you've only got a couple of charm packs of one line and you really want to do one of them, just make it smaller. You may lose some of the overall design that way, so you'd really have to assess the pattern itself to see whether you want to do that. Now, when it got into the, I really only saw that so much in the charm quilt section. When you get into the section that uses layer cakes or jelly rolls, then you had patterns that might only use one layer cake or one jelly roll. Um, so that it wasn't kind of throughout the book, you always needed multiples, and I appreciated that as well. Um, again, you know, I, I would almost rather, if somebody's going to make a design, with a charm pack, I'd like to have them make a design with a single charm pack and then a bunch of, I don't mind throwing in a bunch of half yards and yards from my um, thing, but, you know, most of the time when I buy a charm pack, I only buy one. Now I'm trying to start training myself to buy two because, like I said, a lot of the books and patterns that I have do require two. So I'm, I'm teaching myself that much. Um, and also I'm doing better at cutting my scraps to charm pack size or other usable size. So that's, that's not a big problem. Um, that's just kind of a pet peeve, I guess I have. For this book itself, again, using my five-star rating system, I give this one four out of five. Uh, and again, that's mostly because I would have liked more charm pack patterns that really only required one pack, even if I had more background fabric. And I know that's probably just me. Um, anybody else might well give this a five out of five. Again, because they are using sort of standardized um, charm pack and layer cake and jelly roll sizes, which are all cut, I don't remember what we're called, the, those of us who use inches rather than meters, um, the, they do, even though they are from the UK, all of their measurements are in inches rather than meters, I think, or centimeters. I think they do do the conversion as well. But for those of us who are in the, the US on the you know inch scale, then this is a very easy book to use. So again, that's more Layer Cake Jelly Roll and Charm Quilts by Pam and Nikki Lintot. And yes, the link will be on the website show notes. Okay, I guess I've decided I'm going to do one more book review in this episode. Um, I, from It looks like I'm getting coming up on half an hour here, and so I think if I do one more review, that'll keep this a nice manageable size podcast, and it'll leave me more to talk about later. So the next book I'm going to review, and the last one for this episode, is Cut the Scraps, Seven Steps to Quilting Your Way Through Your Stash, and that's by the scrap therapy maven Joan Ford. Now, if you've ever been fortunate enough to take the scrap therapy workshop at your local quilt shop, then this book probably doesn't have any new information for you. Although, again, it has 20 projects in it, irresistible projects, in fact, the cover says. Uh, so you would get that, in, in that regard, you'd get the projects from it. If you've never taken one of the scrap therapy workshops, I would describe this as sort of entry-level scrap quilting. <laughs> I guess it's it's a very simplified, stripped-down version of how to cut and organize your scraps in such a way that they will be um, most immediately usable to you. This book I was very impressed with. I'd been can, kind of looking at it on and off online for a while, um, kept putting it in my shopping cart and then taking it back out and putting it back in and taking it back out. 
And then when I was out of town um, a couple of weekends ago, the the time when we were uh, teaching my friend to quilt, and I found this book at the bookstore, and I finally decided, oh, to heck with it, I'm just going to buy the darn thing. <laughs> and I did, and I've really, really enjoyed reading through it. Um, the first several chapters are what I found most useful. It's about 50 pages of the book itself, maybe even more than that, are just on her process um, her techniques for cutting scripts, (laughs) cutting scraps, um, sorting and organizing them, and then using them in projects, how she chooses them for particular projects. And I really enjoyed reading through that. The projects themselves are nice enough. It's a a nice mix of traditional, very traditional patterns um, with some more modern patterns. She has some quilts, some wall hangings, and then some smaller projects, some t- purses and tote bags and that kind of thing. So again, there's a, a fair variety of projects in it. And the beauty is, of course, that all the projects she includes in her book use the specific sizes of scraps that she talks about cutting. So you can use her method and immediately put it to work. So her method, basically, she cuts everything to three sizes, which are two inches, three and a half inches, and five inches. And then all of her patterns are based on those pieces. So two and a half inch square, three and a half inch square, and five inch squares. Um, if you recall a few episodes ago, I had an interview with Charlotte from my quilt guild on her method of cutting scraps. And she has probably 10 to 12 different sizes that she cuts. And then she designs around those sizes. In fact, she was just telling us at the quilt retreat last weekend that one of her bags of scraps, one size that she had, I don't remember which size it was, it was a one and something inch um, bag of scraps, was overflowing. So she decided she was just going to turn them into four patches. And she made a bunch of four patches. or No, I guess maybe it was nine patches. She made a bunch of nine patches. And then she sat down with EQ and decided, okay, I've got X number of nine patches. What can I design using that number of nine patches? And then she showed us the design that she had come up with. So that was her method. She kind of starts with the scrap first and then cuts every, and then designs everything around that size. Um, The scrap therapy, you know, she uses three distinct size um, scraps and then creates all of her patterns around those three sizes. So it's not such a different method. It's simply um, the number of sizes that you choose to cut. Now for me, as I've begun cutting my scraps, not faithfully, (laughs) I still need to get to that, but when I'm starting to cut, when I'm done cutting a, a project and I've still got just that little piece of fabric left over, generally speaking, if it's a quarter yard or more, I leave it as a quarter yard or more. If it's something smaller than that, then I will cut it down into component sizes. I'll do two and a half inch strips. I'll do 10 inch squares, five inch squares. Um, and then I do basically two and a half inch squares. I don't think I do much between th- the, between the five inch and the two and a half inch. And the reason I do two and a half inch squares is because I do two and a half inch strips. So those two things work together. So you're going to have to decide, obviously, what sizes will work best for you. Again, cut the scraps. This book or the scrap therapy method is great entry-level scrapping. So if you've never done a scrap quilt before, if you've got a bunch of wads of fabric kicking around your um, quilt studio, you know, your scraps that you don't know quite what to do with because they're all awkward sizes and shapes and all that kind of stuff, you may want to look into this as a good starting point. 
to use her methods, to use her three sizes, and to use some of her projects just to get yourself into it. And then once you get into it, you may expand that a little bit. Some of the other things I really liked about this book, I love the fact that right in, in I think it's right in the introduction, I didn't write down what page she said this, she says, it's okay to throw it away. Um, if you're not going to use it, why have it take up space? I really, I like that sentiment because I think a lot of times we often feel pressured a little bit to use every last little dinky piece of fabric. And I know what my limits are. <laughs> you know, there's a certain small size beyond I will not venture. Um, and I know some people really enjoy that. I'm not getting into that. If you love making quilts with the selvage end strips of your fabric, more power to you. I prefer to throw my selvages away. Um, so, you know, the fact that she kind of gives you permission to say, you know, we're not going to be completely obsessive about this. We're going to do what works for us, figure out what works for you, and then just make it work. Um, she also, the the other part I really enjoyed was she talks about how to choose scraps for projects, and she talks about colors, and she talks about using themes, and, and I found that part useful, too, from a design perspective. She has a section on gadgets and tools, which I found highly entertaining. It was really enjoyable, because she does, she just keeps talking over and over. I'm going to flip to that section, so pardon the pages uh, moving here. She talks quite often about... Um, in that section about, you know, if a gadget makes you happy, use it. <laughs> Don't worry about anything else. And on um, page 26, she has top 10 reasons to use a tool or gadget, which I just got the biggest kick out of. Um, and she, especially number seven is math free. As we all know, I don't like doing math. So any gadget I have that does the math for me is even better. Uh, so some of those <laughs> some of those uh, top 10 reasons are very amusing. So that was a very... Uh, a good section. And, and in general, that's what I liked about this book is it wasn't just straight up facts. It wasn't a how-to thing. It was very entertainingly written and it was also very permission giving. Um, so again, she's kind of saying, this is how I do it. Um, I'm going to present this to you as a good method that I have learned works, but tweak it for whatever works for you. I, I have less and less patience. The longer I'm in quilting, I have less patience for books that try to say this is the way it should be or books that take pot shots at other methods while they're trying to explain their method. I, I don't have a lot of patience for that. So I really appreciate that this book does not go there. You know, it just deals with, here's what works for me. Here's how I've been doing it. Here's what I recommend. Here's what I've learned. Make it work for you. And so I really enjoy that. Um, what else? She does have a section on basic quilt making techniques in here, which, you know, pretty much all quilt books do. I found it a little bit odd since you would almost have to assume that if you've been quilting long enough to amass enough scraps for the need for a book like that, that means you probably already have the basic quilt making skills. Uh, but I would also say that in that basic quilt making session, um, she does tweak up or she does give reference to special considerations when you're working with scraps, I guess, in each of those pieces. So like when she talks about the quarter inch seam or when she talks about accurate cutting, she talks specifically about it in regards to scraps. So I guess that was useful. Um, you know, for me, I didn't really need that section in there because again, I'm assuming if I've got enough scraps that I'm now looking at this book, um, maybe I already know the basic quilt making and maybe those few pages could have gone to something else. Now, that being said, she did not spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, it wasn't very many pages at all. So it wasn't particularly interruptive. Interruptive? <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. We'll pretend it is. Um, 
I will say the rest of the book was just chock full of tips. I mean, even back in the patterns, I was just kind of flipping through the patterns because I'm not going to make any of them right away. Um, I was looking more for the techniques and the, the cutting and the organizing side of things. But even in the pattern, she periodically throws in some little tips in there. So it's well worth the read. And even if you've been quilt making for a gazillion years, you can always pick up new tips. So, you know, I, I would say, again, this is a good book just for that respect as well. Um, the second part of the book, like I've said, is the three patterns using her three sizes of scraps. Everything is based on the, the two inch, the three and a half inch and the five inch squares. Um, some very traditional, some modern quilts. There's small wall hangings. There's a couple of purses. On my scale of um, one to five stars, I would give this a four, maybe a four and a half. To tell the truth, I'm not entirely sure what would push it up to a five for me. I'm not sure what I'm missing, but it wasn't, it just didn't feel five star to me. It did feel four to four and a half. So I, I'll just put that out there. Four to four and a half stars. I did really enjoy her writing style. I found it very easy to read. It's very dense. There's a lot of material in this. You know, a lot of times you'll pay a lot for a quilt book and there's so much white space in there. You know, you've probably only gotten about five pages worth of copy and then the patterns. In this case, that is not the case. You've got a lot of copy in here. You've got a lot of text, a lot of material, a lot of information. So I really appreciated that. Um, I would highly recommend this book if you've not been doing any scrap quilting. If you are a scrap quilter, you've already got your system. You probably don't need this. But if you are just starting to try to figure out how to tame your scrap pile, this would be a really good way to start out. Um, so again, four out of five stars. And that's Cut the Scraps, Seven Steps to Quilting Your Way Through Your Stash um, by Scrap Therapy, Joan Ford. And all of those links will be on the website. Okay, so I think that's going to be it for this episode. I am still working on um, the next design episode with Jay. She and I have both been kind of on the road a lot and had a lot going on. So we're having difficulty once again getting our schedules together. But we are in communication about that. And I know she's hard at work on the episode on um, what she wants to talk about. So it will be happening sometime soon. Just not exactly sure when. I also have some more book reviews that I will share with you. Plus my quilt retreat update and design study group update, which include some other project updates as well. So all sorts of stuff going on in the next few weeks. Um, and like I said, I've finally gotten back into my blog as well. So you'll be getting a lot of pictures posted there. A word about the newsletter. <laughs> I do, you know, I keep talking about this newsletter. A lot of folks have suddenly subscribed. I, I, I don't know where you're all coming from, but great. <laughs> it's been good to see some new subscriptions on the, the newsletter, especially to make myself really think about that again. I really think with my schedule, it's more likely to be a quarterly newsletter than it is a monthly. When I first started it, it was a monthly newsletter, but then life happened and I just haven't been able to get one out the last few months. I will get back into that again. And I think it's going to be, it's probably more reasonable for me to expect that it's going to be a quarterly newsletter. And I would love to have input from y'all if there are things you would like to see me deal with or address and particularly things that you think the newsletter itself would be uh, particularly useful for then um, lay them on me. It's always good to get new ideas about things and to hear what you want to talk about. Um, I can't guarantee I will have all the answers. <laughs> I can tell you I will look up what I don't know. And if there's something you ask me that I just really feel like I am not the person to talk about this, I'll let you know that too. Um, so I think that's all I'm really going to tell you. Remember that we do have a challenge going on right now. It's the um, Stash Mystery Challenge. 
I will make sure as soon as I finish recording this, I will go to my website and make sure the page has been updated with the information about the challenge. The deadline is in December, uh, so be paying attention to that. And um, remember the You Know Your Quilter When page and the Quilt Shop page. And there's also, now that we're kind of getting into almost the holiday season for a variety of peoples and faiths, etc., this next three months is just chock full of holidays on a variety of reasons, you may want to go to the Do Good page on my website. I have been collecting here and there um, a variety of ways that you can support good causes while you're spending your quilty dollars, basically, is kind of how it how it goes. So check out the Do Good page as well, and I will be updating that over the next few weeks, too. Um, as always, you will find the show notes for this episode and all of those other, other wonderful things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter and Goodreads and Pinterest. I'm Sandy Quilts in all of those places. You can join our Kiva team. That's Kiva, K-I-V-A for Quilting for the Rest of Us. Um, you can follow my blog, you can join us on Facebook, like us on Facebook. There's a Quilting for the Rest of Us page there. And I am sure I'm forgetting something because there are all sorts of ways you can track me down. But all of the links to all of those things are at the website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Please talk to me. Now that I'm home, I can actually take the time to talk back. I really enjoy the conversation. It makes these episodes ever so much more interesting than just hearing myself talk. So I look forward to hearing from you. I hope you're having some wonderful fabric-y fun in your lives and send me pictures, uh, send me emails and send comments and let us all know what you're working on because it's always fun to see what's happening in other people's sewing studios. So I guess that's it. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.